thank you for this evening as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to your people. Thank you for allowing another month to dawn on us as a testament of your faithfulness and your grace and your love and your ever-assuring, abiding presence that you are with us. We give you praise just for allowing us to see June. Who are we, O Lord, or who are we that you are mindful of? We give you praise, O Lord, for you have made us a little bit higher than angels. That's how mindful you think of us. You have made us representatives of you and and for us to be able to walk in your nature and to produce your fruits. For this reason, we give you praise, O Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you that June is going to be a blessed month. 30 days of blessing, 30 days of God's grace, 30 days of God's abundance. We receive every promise. We're walking it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We thank God for the sixth month of June. Um, wow. Yeah, it's running very, very fast. Um, we have approached the half mark of the year. Uh, I just felt like six weeks ago, we just said, um, Happy New Year. And all too soon we are here. Uh, June 1st is also very special. Today is exactly eight years. Uh, we, we held our first ever service of ICC, this church. It started in, in the living room of our then apartment uh, eight years ago. And uh, the Lord has been faithful. He's brought us a very long way. I'm just grateful to God when I look back. I just thank God that we are still in existence, uh, fulfilling his purpose that he has intended for the church. You know, it's, it's not easy to just be in existence. <laughs> there are many forces that fight against your existence. And therefore, we just want to thank God for grace. Amen. Uh, if we are still here despite all the odds, to me, it's a very loud statement and it's very encouraging. Uh, to know that God has a place for ICC Caris Chapel. Amen. So we'll continue to press on. We'll continue to trust God to do better. Uh, we take one, one step at a time, uh, put one foot in front of each other, and keep walking this walk of faith when it comes to what God uh, wants to do in the area of the church. Amen. Normally, in the month of June, we like to treat uh, around the subject on stewardship, and this month is no different. So, just as the tradition goes, every June we would like to touch on stewardship. And stewardship is a very broad topic. Okay, it's it's not just um, it's not um, a very um, easy topic to define. <clears throat> it's very broad. Things that are very broad normally you will have to take them in bite-sized pieces to uh, get the whole pie, and that's what we've been doing. Last year, we narrowed down stewardship to finances with Pastor Robert. It was very powerful. It was great. All the sessions are on the episode. All the um, episodes are on our podcast, I'm sorry. And I advise you to listen to them over and over again. I think it did three powerful messages on finances. And uh, God just doesn't want you to do well spiritually. He also wants you to do well body-wise, that's your work in health. And he also wants you to do well, materially speaking, financially speaking. I believe that's the will of God. So please learn how to manage your finances very well. Amen. So listen to that. That's a great resource on our podcast. And it will bless you. This time, we want to narrow down stewardship again to talking about tending to God's people. Uh, we call it in the New Testament shepherding. You know, you know. I know some churches like to borrow that word, but that's a New Testament word, shepherding. And in, in other words, it also means to pastor God's people very well. We are talking about pastoring God's people very well. Some will say, oh, I'm not a pastor. Pastoring people just means tending to people well. That's all. So we're going to talk about that. Stewardship or stewarding is normally associated with 
managing resources. And that's the idea carried around, which is correct. But the greatest resource on this earth are people. God demands that every believer, especially those in leadership positions or those who have a gift, should look after people very well. I think that aspect of stewardship needs to be highlighted. So we will learn from the Bible and that will be our blueprint tonight. Amen. So please go with me to the book of Mark chapter 6 verse 30 to 44. So our, our theme is stewardship, but now we are narrowing it down to looking after God's people, tending to God's people, pastoring God's people, effective shepherding, or whatever title you want to give it. But at the end of the day, it's all talking about how we look after people. Amen. Because that's also a part of stewardship. Mark chapter 6, Verse 30 to 44. Excuse me. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had thought. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boats by themselves. But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place. We are in the middle of nowhere. In New Jersey, there's a place called Secaucus. Well, apologies to you if you live in Secaucus. I have no beef against you your, your, your city. It's a nice place, but it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> oh, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make all sit down in groups and on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. You know, I, I remember one time I read a commentary. I was trying to look for it today, but um, I couldn't find it. It's a long time ago. But someone was saying that the 5,000 men represents 5,000 families. So it's not 5,000 men as in, because there were women and children there. So it's 5,000 families. That was interesting. I was looking for I'm like, ah, where did I read this from? I checked every, every, con- every commentary I've read, but couldn't find it. Anyway. This scripture can be applied to a pastor, a church worker, a leader, a believer, or a leader even at your secular workplace, or let's just say a common worker. You have floor member, staff member, crew member, whatever your title may be, non-leadership role. This still applies to you. So when you hear messages like this, don't check out right? Because something is in it for you too as well. Amen. This message is all round. It's, it's an all rounder. So I, I pray that as we listen, let's listen carefully, apply biblical tested principles of Christ uh, to affect our world for Christ. Amen. 
Um, reason is relationships matter. Okay? That's why you have to listen to this. And it cuts across, irrespective of your social standing or status. So you don't have to be a leader, you know, or supervisor before you will start to take uh, relationships very serious. I, th- I think irrespective of your status, like I said, uh, relationships matter because they do matter. Amen. Couldn't help but notice some salient points uh, for our teaching tonight from this text. In fact, um, this story is one of Jesus' popular events. The casual Christian, or even people who have not even been to church, may have probably heard this story. Jesus feeding 5,000 people. I think it's, it's popular right up there. That and Lazarus. I think everybody, if they will say they know about Jesus' miracles. I think three <laughs> miracles are popular of Jesus. Jesus and Lazarus, the feeding of 5,000, and then Jesus turning water into wine. People like that. You know, you see people who've never been to church before and they are churches that drink in bar. They even know that, look, Jesus turned water into wine. I'm telling you, I love Jesus. You know, so everybody knows this. At least these three miracles, they are popular. But um, before we, 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 we look at this story, look at the backdrop to the miracle. Um, I think we can learn something from it. And even from the miracle itself, what Jesus did before he did the miracle, when you read the scripture carefully, it talks to us about effective shepherding or effective leadership for that matter. I, I believe when it comes to leadership, your leadership is really defined by how well you are able to relate to people, how well you are able to take care of people. That That's leadership. So, this is something that uh, we can learn from. You know, the miracle itself was spectacular and epic. But today, that's not going to be our focus. The miracle almost looked mag- magical. It looked like, you know, Jesus was a magician. How do you feed 5,000 men, minus children, minus women, with five loaves and two fish? Sounded magical. Uh, by the way, there's a difference between magic and miracle. Never forget that. Magic is for a shoe. Miracle is to solve a need. Okay? And when magic is done for a shoe, magic is done so that it will place the magician as the center of focus. A miracle, too, is to solve a need, and it points to the source, which is Christ. It doesn't point to the vessel. So those those are differences we have to know because in this day and age we live in, uh, be very careful of science and wonders. Don't, don't be someone who is too awowed. Believe in them, believe in the supernatural, but don't be too awowed and over-fixated. Otherwise, you'll be an evil generation like Jesus said. Matthew twelve thirty nine. One day Jesus was teaching and Jesus did many miracles, signs and wonders. They said, Jesus, do a sign. He said, I'll not do anything. Matthew 12, 13, I say, an evil generation seeketh after a sign. So don't let us be evil. God has given us enough witnesses, and that's the word of God, and that should be enough. That, that's why it's called the sufficiency of Scripture. Every now and then, God will demonstrate his word through signs and wonders, and we thank God for that. We don't argue with that. So don't, don't also be at the far end where you're also despising signs and wonders and prophecies and and things like that. That is also not scripture. Amen. Well, back to our story. Now, when you look at the backdrop, it first talks about Jesus' relational skills with people. Uh, friend, you can be anointed and cold. Trust me. You can be very anointed and cold. Uh, you can be anointed and cutthroat. <laughs> I've seen people minister under the anointing and they are very cutthroat. Uh, it's like Rambo, right? You can be anointed and mean as a rattlesnake. Mean. I've, I've been in the church world for some time. They're, they're, I've mostly interacted with pastors. Seen, seen a lot. All right? It's not just hearing a lot, but seen, no, experienced. Sometimes 
People who are very anointed can be very mean. Mean as a rattlesnake. And that's not fun. Uh, we have to allow the anointing to not affect only our exploits, what we do. Yeah, building a church, building a business, uh, ministering, all that stuff. We should not just allow the anointing. The, the anointing is not just for exploits. The anointing also has to affect our relations and our interrelations. It has to affect our lifestyle. It has to affect our character. We have to allow the anointing, anointing to work. You know, sometimes I feel like we've placed a cap on the anointing. Limited anointing just to activity and exploits. It has to move beyond that and affect every aspect. It should permeate every aspect of our life till we become more like Christ. Like when we did the book of Romans, one of the things I learned is that the most important thing that God wants from every believer. It's not just to be anointed. It's to be modeled into the image, fashioned into the image of Christ. That's what we've been preordained for. That's more important than any other thing. Amen. So the anointing has to shine bright in those areas. The first thing I learned from this text is from verse 30 to 33. Jesus very anointed. When you read John chapter 3, the Bible says Jesus, he walked in the spirit without measure. Measureless anointing. But look at how Jesus dealt with his associates. One, he didn't overburden his associates. He cared about their whole being to make them take a rest. All right. So, in fact, he shielded them from the precious expectations and demands of ministry. And Jesus took it like a champ, like they will say today, and he handled it alone. You know, when, when they came back, you know, because sometimes ministry can get you very high. You, you, can, be, you can be very euphoric when you are in the, in the thrust of ministry. And Jesus, looking at their excitement, he said, look, guys, take a rest. Take a rest. You are not going to be high like this forever. You, you are going to feel it when time comes. Go get a rest. Go and rest. Take a break. And then when Jesus saw the multitudes coming, he said, go take a break. Go. You've done enough. You have taught. <laughs> you have performed the teaching. You've demonstrated it with signs and wonders. God bless you. Take a break. I'll take it over from there. So Jesus dealt with the 5,000 men alone. If you read the scriptures carefully, you didn't have the disciples. So go take a break. All right? So that's one of the ways. Uh, we, you, we, when we have the opportunity to lead people, we have to be really vested in, in, in every aspect of their life. Their emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, social, stature of their lives. All these aspects are important. And when you see that they are imploding one way or another, sometimes the best thing or even the godly thing to do is to let them take a break. It's called looking after people. Look after people. Don't, don't make them feel overburdened. Amen. Effective leadership is sacrifice. Uh, this past week, I had the privilege of working very closely with the presiding bishop. And anytime I'm about to sleep, when I'm talking to Pastor Oscar, I'll be telling him, wow, leadership is sacrifice. We are always talking before we sleep. That, that This past week, anytime we are sleeping, the presiding bishop always comes in our conversation the, throughout the whole week. I'm like, man... A sacrifice, real sacrifice, because we really saw leadership in action, real leadership, uh, caring for people, sacrifice, like real sacrifice. And sometimes that's what it will take. You have to practice the principle of sacrifice to let people rest. Don't overburden people, because when you overburden your people, they will break. 
Sometimes if you want them to be effective, it's not to give them more tasks, more tasks, more things to complete, more boxes for them to check mark. Sometimes all that is not necessary. They will implode. And when they implode, it's a travesty on your leadership. Sometimes the best thing to do is let them take a break. Amen. I like one scripture, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. I looked at this in the message and I love it. Look at what Jesus did. I think message, sometimes I don't agree too much with many versions of the message, but um, uh, many verses that the message translates, but I like this one perfectly. Are you tired, worn out, bent down on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. I love that. And that's the popular scripture. Come on to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That scripture. Take my yoke upon you for my, my bed in the slides, my yoke is easy, you know, that, that scripture. I like how it puts it here. And basically, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to live that. Before we dig um, deep into the text, this statement really jumped at me. If it is forced, it is not grace. So we have to learn how to live grace-based leaderships. If it's forced, it's not grace. Grace has an unforced rhythm to it. And when I read this, this is the only thing that really jumped out at me. So even Christianity is resting. And when I talk about resting, it doesn't mean resting from your labor. Christianity is resting in the sense that you believe in God. Believe in Jesus, believe in his finished works. And then you walk by faith, receiving what he has already done for you. That, that is the rest we are talking about. That's Christianity. <clears throat> and that's what Jesus came to do. He came to give people rest. Rest from your labor and then look at me as your source. And then walk by faith. Now, what you have to do is that you don't just have to believe you will now have to correspond your belief by your action. That's real rest. So that's, that's, that's Christianity in essence. And Jesus, he was unlike the Pharisees. You know, one of the things that Jesus complained about the Pharisees is that you lay heavy burdens on the people. You lay heavy burdens. You lay heavy burdens that you will not lift them up with even your finger. Jesus had a problem with them. And he talked about it. Matthew chapter 23, when he was talking about the Pharisees, you should go and read Matthew 23. He really blasted the leaders. Seriously, really blasted the leaders. And the leaders there were Pharisees and religious scribes. You lay heavy burdens upon them. So one of the ways to ensure we don't put heavy burdens upon our people is that we should just let them take a break when need be. We have to give them rest. We have to protect, protect them from extra demands. Because like I said, the more demands you make of them out of their already heavy demands they have, they will break. Personally, I advocate anyone working with me to take a break. I do that constantly. Amen. Um, yeah. I remember one, one time we had just two members in our church, a couple. I looked at them, they were tired. Very tired. Right? And they wanted to travel. But at the same time, they said, Oh, but I said, if I'm going to travel, who's going to come to church? Just really, really, you know, that's minus my, me and my wife. It's just two. So now, if, if they should travel, who is going to come? Nobody's going to come to church. But I remember I told them, You know what? Travel. Go. Go to Canada. I told them where to go. They went. The next week, Sunday, 
when we went to church. We were zero. It was just my wife and I. I preached to her like I preached to 100 people that Sunday when I signed the car and we were going back home. I was very happy. Tell my wife, I thought we've done the right thing. Even though nobody came to church, it's a blessing. They should go on holiday. They are tired. But am I going to look at them with their tiredness and with their burden and with the stress of their work, the stress of everything they are going on, looking at them, am I still going to put pressure on them to come to church? You know, so this is hard to take. You know, there are just two members. What am I going to do? Am I, are we going to have an audience with our two members? Just our two precious members. And when you're a pastor, you don't like to lose members. Or are you going to do what is right? I felt what I had to do, what was right, was, look, go on a break. You guys are tired. I see it. Go. Because this guy and I talked to them, and they took it. And when they came back, they were ever so thankful. Ever so thankful. It was everything they needed. You see. Sometimes the funny thing is that they will not even ask. But be sensitive, be discerning enough to know that this is what you need. Amen. So let's learn how to give people a break. All right. Sometimes you see some people who are lazy and they would like to take this to the extreme. I'm not talking about lazy people. I'm talking about people who really work hard and they are really working. Learn to give them a break. Amen. That's very important. Effective leadership. The second thing I learned from is in verse 34. And when you read verse 34, the Bible says that, And Jesus, when he came out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. The second thing that I learned from this is Jesus cared about their spiritual needs. You see, when we use the word spiritual, don't think about only church. Wherever you are called to, you have to care about the, the spiritual needs of your people. You might work in the financial world. You might work at retail. You might work as a church worker or whatever, pastor, leader. Wherever you are, the people that God has given to you care about their needs spiritually. So sometimes we will just limit this one. Oh, it's only church. It's only church that will care about the spiritual needs of people. You got to care about the spiritual needs of your people to at work. Pray for them. And let me tell you something. The reason why many people don't care about the spiritual needs of people, even sometimes including pastors, is because of one element. It's called compassion. You will need compassion to be able to do that. The only reason why Jesus looked at them and he said that they are scattered, they don't have a shepherd, was compassion. If, if you don't have it, you can't do that. And what is compassion? It means to be moved to your bowels. You know, generally speaking, the Jewish, they believe that the bowels, they are the seeds of uh, love and pity. So when you are moved to your bowels, you are moved out of pity and out of love. That's, the word, that's where the word compassion came from. So you move to your bowels. It's important as leaders, we have to have a heart. Amen. And, and be moved. Have compassion on people. And when we have compassion on people, it will show we will care about their spiritual needs. So care about the spiritual needs of your people. Without compassion, you can't minister effectively as a spiritual leader. You, you can't. It's not going to be possible. When compassion is absent, ambition is present. And sometimes ambition, when it's taken the wrong way, it, it, can, lead, it can lead many astray. Amen. Uh, Jesus didn't look at them as dollar trees or people he could make merchandise of. He just saw them as people. They had a need. It needed to be fulfilled. 
Sometimes you see people, if they won't get anything out of you, they won't want to do anything with you or even minister to you. But that's wrong. We should have compassion. Care about the spiritual needs of people. Let me, let me tell you what Jesus didn't do. When Jesus saw 5,000 men, he didn't see a mega church. All right? He saw people. He saw people. He saw people for who they are. He didn't see a mega church. Maybe if I had seen 5,000 people, I would have seen as an opportunity for a mega church. But no, Jesus saw people. He saw people. When Jesus saw 5,000, he didn't see a kingdom. Because he could have easily made himself a king. If you read John chapter 6, this same scripture marks is in John chapter 6. They could have easily made him a king. But he didn't see a kingdom. He saw a lost crowd. And that's how abusers and manipulators work. They work when they see a lost crowd. And they will take the request of lost crowd and they will ingratiate themselves as their leaders. And that's it. the cycle of abuse. It never ends until one person becomes enlightened. All that it takes for abuse or manipulation to end is enlightenment. When enlightenment comes, the person's power is over. He didn't even ingratiate himself as a leader. These people were lost. They had no shepherd, you know, but he didn't even ingratiate themselves that, okay, I appoint myself as your leader because you guys are lost. When Jesus saw them, he saw shepherding. That's to pastor them. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When Jesus saw them, he saw that I have to pastor them. I have to lead them beside still water. I, I have to let them lie down in green pasture. I feed them the word. This is what Jesus saw. He didn't see leadership. He didn't, he didn't see an opportunity to even ingratiate himself as a leader over them. He just saw shepherding. When Jesus saw 5,000, he didn't see publicity, but he prioritized their spiritual need. Yeah, you know, yeah, 5,000 is great publicity. It's great, can't do anything with it, but he didn't see that. He saw a spiritual need. This was what is more important to him. A mega church was not important to him. People were important to him. A kingdom was not important to him. Lost crowd. He's, he's like, you, you guys are lost. You guys are lost. You need help. He didn't, he didn't even ingratiate himself as a leader, but he saw shepherding. He didn't see publicity, but he prioritized spiritual need. He didn't see a marketing opportunity. When you have 5,000 men coming to you, excluding women and children, it's a great marketing opportunity. But he rather saw it as the opportunity to present himself as the bread of life. John chapter 6, that was his first I am, recorded I am. I am the living bread. He saw that, wow, there's an opportunity for me to unveil myself to them as the bread of life. He didn't see a marketing opportunity. So please, as a believer at your workplace, care about the spiritual needs of your people. Intercede for them. Pray for them without even letting them know. And believe God for an opportunity to preach to them. And let me tell you something about opportunity. Opportunity will come if you expect it. Do you know why many of us cannot preach to our work people? Because we don't prospect opportunity. So if you don't prospect it, how are you going to expect it? So if you prospect it, you will expect it. The expectation of the writer shall not be cut off. So Jesus looked at a crowd that needed teaching and shepherding. That's all. He didn't see them as people he will make merchandise of. And ministry is a life of service. And every believer who is a minister will have to understand that. Amen. The third lesson I learned here is from verses 35 to 38. Okay. And when you read from verses 35 to 38, it's quite interesting. Jesus didn't just care about the spiritual needs of the people. He cared about the physical welfare of the people. They were hungry. Now, the disciples were now coming in. So, probably you can tell it was a, a long period. So, when they came in, they said, look, the day is far spent. Because they were not there. They were resting. Jesus had given them a break, rest, you know, and all that stuff. And when they came, they said, look, 
uh, the day is far spent. We are in the middle of nowhere. Let them go. And let them go and get something to eat. But you see, Jesus cared about the welfare of the people. He said we should do something about it. You see, when God gives you the task of leadership, it's a very heavy task. It's a very heavy task. Very heavy task. The leadership is not about sitting on thrones and things like that. It's a very heavy task. Leadership is a servant, it's a servant job. It's not about thrones and crowns and tiaras and what have you and having the chiefest seats and you know having bodyguards and that's not leadership. If you want to stroke your ego, fine, but that's not leadership. Amen. Leadership is work. And there are many things you can't pass the back. All the things when it comes is when God gives you people under your care, their welfare should be important to you. Their physical welfare, not just their spiritual welfare. Their physical welfare should be important to you. The welfare of people is on our backs as leaders. And when it comes to that, please, we should never drop the ball on that. We, we have to do everything possible to meet people who have genuine physical needs. That's checking on their physical welfare. Now, when I'm talking about this, I'm not enabling lazy behavior or irresponsible living. You know, there are some people who really don't like me. They will say, Pastor Steve is very wicked and... Because he was lazy. And if you, if you are lazy, I will never support you. <laughs> I will never enable an irresponsible behavior. Never. And I'm a pastor. I believe in the Bible. I believe in love. I believe in charity. But no, we're not going to go there. If you are lazy. Because the same Bible says that if you don't work, you should not eat. You can't allow me to be the supervisor of your chaotic behavior. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to play party to your irresponsibility. When you know you have to do something and you shake away the responsibility and you want free handouts, you're not going to get it from me, even though I have the title of a pastor. Amen. So when we are talking about being sympathetic or being discerning to the needs of people. We are talking about people who have genuine needs. For, for these people, it was a genuine need. They were hungry. And you can't pass the back on that one. Jesus did something about it. You saw how he even improvised. Because they, I'm not sure they had 200 denarii. That's a lot of money. They didn't have 200 denarii. But what they had was a little boy's lunch. You see, 5,000 men were accounted. Minus the child. So that means there were children there. And children, I know, they will never go anywhere without their mother. Or mothers will not go anywhere without their children. So I'm sure women were also there. But Jesus, he, he did something about it. Amen. So he, 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 he allowed himself to be a funnel of blessing. And when we become leaders, we have to allow ourselves to become a funnel of blessing. But you can't do that if you are inward looking. It's not going to happen. The, look, the easy part was to send them away. That was the easiest part. That, that, what Jesus did was the hardest part. So sometimes when you are leading, you may have choices. The easy parts and the hard parts. Most times the hard parts might be the legit way, not the easy parts. And when you take the easy path, you will shortchange your leadership. You will shortchange your span of influence. And very soon, you will become very irrelevant and dead. You can't be a leader who is always choosing the path of least resistance. You shorten your leadership span. Amen. So let's learn something from that. When people come to us with cares and, and they, they need help, we should be prepared to help them. And that is entirely different from enabling a lazy person or irresponsible living. Amen. Now, the fourth thing I learned is in verses 39 to 40. Don't be afraid to establish order. 
It sounds like Jesus was being mean. Do you know that the last thing you want to do is to give instructions to a hungry person? Have have any of you heard this saying before? A hungry man is an angry man. (laughs) And as someone is hungry, he's already angry. And the last thing you want to do is to give him a set of instructions. But Jesus said, order. Can you imagine telling 5,000 hungry men to sit down in rows and in orderly fashion? Hunger doesn't respond well to instructions. But the thing about it was, if there wasn't order, the whole thing could have been chaotic. Do you know that if Jesus didn't allow them to sit in order, what about if they saw the, 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 the slightest presence of food? There could have been a stampede. And if there was a stampede, women and children would have been the most vulnerable. So sometimes you have to set order in place for the most vulnerable among your group. That is also love. You will see some people who will never want to set order, who who will never want to establish boundaries, all in the name of love. But you are a very wicked person when you do that because you are really crumbling down the enterprise that you are building. There has to be order. You have to set some boundaries. And that's important. That is also effective leadership. I mean, imagine people are hungry. You are now talking about arrangements. What's arrangements here? I'm hungry. You are telling us that we should sit in hundreds and fifties and in ranks. Don't be afraid to establish order. And sometimes if you want to build something of substance, order is very, is very important. Do you know that in Ezekiel chapter 37, the Bible says that there was an army. But they were bones. And do you know why they were bones? Because they were fragmented. There was no order. But once sinew connected to sinew, bone to bone, and when they were formed together, it became a mighty army. But all this while, they were a mighty army, but they were so fragmented. And sometimes if we don't learn how to bring order to our organizations, bring order to our small sphere of influence, we are just like Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 37. We are just, we are just fragmented bones who are not going to do anything. Sometimes one of the best things you can bless an organization with is with order. Learn how to establish order and set boundaries. And sometimes you also have to be firm. Because to do that, you have to be firm, yet in a very loving way. The thing about ministry or the thing about leading is that you always come to a place where there are no resources, but you still have to lead. You still have to chart the course. You know, sometimes you might not have money to pay all your people. Sometimes you might not have money to do all your projects. And when that happens, insurrection might happen. People will murmur. People will complain. People will grumble. People will want to put pressure upon you because of their belly. People might want you to break focus because of their belly. But you have to be strong to chat course. And let me tell you, believe you me, sometimes when you do that, you will lose some. You lose some. You lose some. And when you are a leader, if you are afraid of people calling you wicked, don't be a leader. Amen. Because sometimes in, in, in reality, you are not really being wicked. You are just chatting the course. Because if you don't chat the course, and if you just follow demand, and you follow hunger, and you follow things, you can't build anything of substance. Leadership is sacrifice. Amen. But sometimes even when you don't have it at all, you should be able to still chat course and and allow things to progress. And that's what Jesus did. There has to be order. Before I perform the miracle, there has to be order. Sitting in the 50s, hundreds, there has to be order. There has to be order. So that it can even be easier for the disciples to even distribute their food. What about women? What about children? What about pregnant people? What about the most vulnerable? What about the elderly? What about the age? All those people who are there. What about all of them? So sometimes when you are certain order, you are certain it for future generations or even for unknown people who are all vulnerable. They all need to be protected. A strong sign of good leadership is that there is protection. People are protected. Everybody is protected. It's not just a, a, a few when it comes to some, some types of leadership, only few people are protected and the rest are left at bay. 
But when we call ourselves leaders and if we are going to effectively tend to God's people well, we have to learn how to establish order and priority. Amen. Don't let them kill you because they are hungry. Don't be swayed. Be very focused. Effective shepherding means being a strong leader to chat course when things are not favorable. And like I said, you lose some, but that's okay. Amen. The fifth thing I learned here is in verses 41 to 42. Be generous. Okay? After they had sat down, Jesus, he blessed the bread, broke it, and he gave it to the people. Be generous. Be given. People will generally thrive under a given leadership. One that gives off his or her time, uh, physical resources and materials, it goes a long way. But please, listen and listen very well. You will not always be paid back. That sometimes is the painful part of leadership, but that's okay. You will not always be paid back. Go and read John chapter 6. It's very exhaustive. These people Jesus blessed and gave food and everything. They all left him. They forgot. It wasn't even a day. It wasn't even... 24 hours. I think some few hours in it. They just forgot and they left him. But that's okay. Don't allow the ingratitude or selfishness of people to affect your positive influence as a leader, a minister, or a Christian. Because people are really going to hurt you. But you still have to hurt people. You still have to help people. You still have to believe in people. You still have to mentor people. Okay, be a mentor and not a tormentor because someone has caused pain in your heart. And I'm telling you, I stand at a place of leadership where I've been hurt a lot. Real hurt. But hey, we just <laughs> take our legs and chops and we just keep ticking. What, what, what are we going to do? That's it. And you don't allow the, the past experiences to poison you so that you will not help another person. All right. So that's it. So we will all have to come to a place where we are given because people thrive best under leadership. It's eight o'clock. Let me finish this one. Believe in the principle of reward. Verse 43. Jesus rewarded his disciples who worked with him. All right, 12 baskets full. How do I know that? Just continue reading the Mark chapter 6. All the 12 baskets were in the boots for the 12 disciples. He rewarded them. Believe in reward. The hallmark of certain leaderships is wickedness. Paul told Timothy, reward your associates. Okay? Now, sometimes I see people quoting this scripture, you know, like pastors appreciation, they will quote this scripture. But that, that scripture is for a pastor to reward his church leaders, not the other way around. You understand? And that scripture is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 7 to 8. The Bible says that people who rule well should, should be given double honor. That scripture is for Timothy to apply to his associates. So when you have people working with you, treat them well. They should have double honor. In fact, when you read CEV, it says that they deserve to be paid twice as much. All right? So your leaders. So it's not really talking about the pastor. It's talking about the pastor treating people who are with him. If you have associates, leaders, you know, workers and everything, treat them well. Pay them well. Because one of the things you don't want to do is incur the wrath of God by defrauding people of their pay packets, privileges, and benefits. It's a sin. And, and it's worthy of repentance. Let me close with this scripture. James chapter four, verse James chapter five, verse four. I'm sorry. New Living Translation. I read. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. I close on this. God forgive us and help us to be better stewards of people. We should not cheat people. Let's give people their pay. Let's give them what they are due. Amen. Let me recapitulate my six points again that we've learned. One, don't overburden people. Give people a break. It's called effective leadership. Number two, care about the spiritual needs of people. 
Number three, care about the physical welfare of people. Number four, don't be afraid to establish order. Number five, be generous. And number six, believe in the principle of reward. May God help us to be better stewards by being good servant leaders. May we represent Christ in our leadership. Look, I have reached a place in my personal ministry. I don't really compare myself to churches and I like to look at, you know, models and church strategies. I believe in churches. I believe God is raising up churches. But every every strategy that I want to copy, I wouldn't want to copy because it's the minister. I want to copy because first and foremost, it lines up with the Bible. It's Christ-like. Then the minister is practicing it. Then I would like to follow. I wouldn't just like to follow anything blindly. So, Lord, help us to truly become better servant leaders for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm done for today. Questions or contributions are welcome. since there are no questions or contributions or since there are no questions I'm sorry what did you learn tonight just one person I appreciate one person's feedback and then we'll close we're four minutes past then we want to round up quickly the, the importance of stewardship okay What did you learn about the importance of stewardship? That each has received the, that we all have received the gift and we should use it to serve one another. Amen. Amen. Sure, you to serve one another. So nobody should count himself out. All of us are to serve yes. one another and be like Christ. Amen. Thank you, Shaquana, for that. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word and the opportunity to apply and practice your word. May this word be written on the tables of our hearts. May we truly, truly be Christ-like leaders in every sense of that word, I pray. Amen. God willing, Saturday we have two programs, like I said. We have... um, prayer in the morning uh, that's from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. that first Saturday of the month we always pray and then we have WOMS work of ministry seminar so we'll be meeting 7 to 8 15 Uh, it's it's quarterly so we're doing one for this quarter so and our theme is on dryness I believe God our God is going to minister to us through that topic amen God bless you thank you all for attending Bible study good night Uh, See you on Saturday. God bless. Good night.